Sustainable, wait for it, 69. Yes, welcome to Sustainable 69. We are your friendly little environment podcast all about people and the planet and why even though Donald Trump is, as we speak, settling down into the big chair in the big house, it's still all right to have a laugh every now and then. And what have we got? our only option, I think. (laughs) Quiet. What have we got coming up this week? Oh. Well, Dave, we are going to be talking about that big, nasty, gassy, horrible, Trumpy man in America. We're also going to be talking about some um, some ring-stingingly hot temperatures in the in the world. Uh, we're going to be talking about some little pellets, little sort of little <laughs> tiny oh, pellets yes. that are getting people in trouble in Northern Ireland. Um, and we're going to be talking about ice that should be sort of nice and firm, but is all a bit sort of sloshy and slushy and, and, and slurpy because uh, it's, it's too warm. So, everything has gone to shit. The theme is shit and poo and Trump and, oh God. If you have any problems with anything that we try to get you to swallow, find it difficult to digest, oh. don't oh. spit it at the people that we work for because we do work for environmental charities. But take yourself into a quiet room, show us what you've done and we'll deal with it. Yes? Okay, let's squeeze this one out. In Hot of the Week. So, Inhoff of the Week, uh, this is the section named after, formerly, one of the most environmentally idiotic, powerful men in US politics, uh, Jim Inhoff. But, uh, well, I suppose we'll just keep it for posterity's sake. He's obviously least of our concerns right now, but it is the section where we look for people who have done idiotic things. Who has been a nincompoop this week, Dave? Uh, Is it Donald Trump? You're unbelievable. Well, probably, yeah, but, we, you know, that's too obvious. We'll just have him every yes. single week. Okay. Someone else, who's been bad? Well, so there's somebody else who has been bad, I think, although we're going to have to find out some more about this, is a lady called Arlene Foster. Now, she is the boss, sort of on a sherry basis. I'm already out of my depth. I'm only halfway mm. through this sentence of Northern Ireland, right? And it's all gone to poo over there. And I think it's all gone to poo because of the environment. Uh, mm. And that doesn't strike me as very good news all round. Well, it sounds, as you say, like you know naff all about this. Mm. And, uh, and luckily... So do I. Uh, So we decided we'd have a chat to someone who knows quite a lot more about it because they are a Northern Ireland person. That is Niall Bakewell, who is the activism coordinator for Friends of the Earth Northern Ireland. So we had a little chat to Niall. Hello, Niall. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hello there. Good evening. 
<laughs> Good evening. Good Thank you very, very much for coming to chat to us. Uh, where are you? You're not in the room with me. You must be somewhere else. Yes, I am sitting here in Belfast in my rather leaky, drafty kitchen because it's the only part of the house where I'm not directly under my uh, children being put to bed by my wife. So I'm hoping that the six-year-old doesn't keep pounding in all the uh, evening and disturbing us. Um, but yes, it's a very drafty little conservatory here. <laughs> very good. Sounds like a perfect thing for an environmental campaigner to be sitting in. Niall, what the bloody hell's going on in Northern Ireland? Whew. You know what? I have to keep asking myself that question, Dave, um, because as well as having to pinch myself, trying to get your head around the enormity and complexity of the renewable heat incentive scandal oh, is yeah. a mammoth task, a mammoth task, because a, it just sounds so boring <laughs> that you can't believe it could possibly be as much of a car crash as it is and it has been a very slow moving car crash but boy have we hit the wall now uh, so from my little room in london england uh where i occasionally listen to the radio i heard things like a green energy scheme in uh, northern ireland has brought down the government Arlene Foster is facing allegations of misspending £400 million of taxpayer money on a clean energy scheme. The ballot has been sparked by the resignation of Sinn Féin's Martin McGuinness as Deputy First Minister. Minister. McGuinness left his post over the renewable heat incentive scheme, a failed energy project that looks set to cost the taxpayer around £490 million. That's like... Is that really true? What's what's happened there? It's best to see it from the perspective of something so seemingly banal at first. And that is a woman who ran a heating efficiency company was doing the rounds of businesses back in 2013, selling her wares, primarily trying to get businesses to take her on as an efficiency consultant. And every so often coming across a situation where... People were really not at all interested in what she was trying to sell. And she would see very odd things happening. Things like a hotel where it was 24 degrees outside the middle of summer and they had all the radiators on and the windows open. And she began to get more and more curious about this until she realized that all any time she was seeing this sort of situation where there was a hell of a lot of heat being pumped into a building with with no need for that heat to be there at all and a very blasé cavalier attitude to the whole concept of energy efficiency um that these people had wood pellet boilers and so eventually she sat down and sent an email to the then minister in charge of the uh in charge of subsidizing uh, people who are installing renewable heat boilers, these wood pellet boilers, uh, who was Arlene Foster, who's now the first minister. Ah. And, and she didn't really feel like her uh, complaint was dealt with very well. And then she sat down again and looked more deeply into the scheme. The problem was that they, the way that they had basically set the subsidy was that you would get £1.60 for every pound you spent on fuel. Uh-huh. 
Now, I'm not very good at math, <laughs> uh, but pound sixty does sound like more than £1. Yes, it is. So yeah. if you, if you went is. out and you bought £200 worth of wood pellets and you burned them in a fire, you would then get a cheque for 120 quid from the government saying thanks. No, no, you would get, no, you uh, get a check for a 320 Sorry, quid. Oh, right. Yeah, of course, yes, you get your Dave, original. Dave, you're the economics no, one. well, I know. You're, I, <laughs> you're the one uh, who's supposed to be able to add this stuff up. Right, yes. Oh, ne- please never have a job of importance. <laughs> <laughs> the way that the BBC put it was, you uh, burn to earn. And the other catchphrase that has come up uh, is cash for ash. You see, this is part of the problem. This is why I think one of the reasons why it became such a political crisis, it became very easy to come up with catchphrases that got very sticky. And Mm. so this just didn't go away. But how did that... So hang on a minute. So that sounds bonkers. I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like a thing that it shouldn't have taken some rogue whistleblower going around the buildings to work out, right? Because presumably all the people owning the buildings had worked it out a long time ago. And presumably lots and lots and lots of them had worked it out. And presumably Northern Ireland is the best heated place in the whole of Europe at the moment. So how on earth did this hoo-ha come to hoo-ha? We still don't quite know. There, because the reaction almost immediately was finger pointing blame, recrimination, not me, Gov. It just very, very quickly got as a political crisis. And there have been worse in Northern Ireland, major sex scandals related to property developers and loans, basically connections to loyalist paramilitaries and government funding. Did anybody wee on a mattress? Nobody weed on a mattress. (laughs) Renewable heat incentive scheme was transposed from... Uh, a Westminster scheme. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, if if Westminster decides to spend a bunch of money on something in England or in England and Wales, if it's not devolved to Wales, it then has to provide a similar amount of money uh, based upon a differential of demographics and certain other things called the Barnett formula. It has to ship a, an equivalent proportional amount of money to Scotland and Northern Ireland the whining Celts that we are. and um, Ungrateful Celts, by the sound of it. Un- yeah, ungrateful Celts. <laughs> um, spend it all on money! <laughs> and um, so they, they shipped over this equivalent amount of money, working out how, what it would cost. And they also said, and here's some handy legislation already done. So they, so, so they were basically saying, like, we, we've worked out how to do the this renewable heat incentive. Here you go. Just... Just apply it and it'll be fine. Yep. You know, basically just bam. And they copied and pasted it in almost every detail, except for a few changes of wording to, say, Northern Ireland instead of England and Wales. Except for, uh, and let me get this right, except for, I think, approximately, hundred. I think they've worked out 107 words. <laughs> were removed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in part, specifically, Part 5, Section 37 of the GB regulations, oh, 107 oof. words were removed. Those 107 words were the cost capping. Oh, my word. Ah. Were, were the safeguards mm. to stop people burning like crazy and getting paid constantly. No matter how much they burned, they were going to get paid. So let me get this straight. In, in the original version... It said, 
green energy is good. We recognise it's quite expensive, so we're going to pay you some money to make uh, to, to heat your home in a renewable way. But we also recognise that there should be a limit to that. So there's a, there's a finite amount. And then in in your version, they deleted the finite amount bit. <laughs> that like they got rid of all sorts. Of, there were you know there were a couple of different safeguards. There's a, a total cost cap, and there's a thing called the Gresham. So why was it why was it taken out? Why would you do that? Well, this you see this. No one knows. Mm. Arlene Foster, when she was first confronted with the fact that it was on her watch, she was the minister, this had happened. And she said, oh, my civil servants did it. They told me it was fine. I just took their advice. What was it going to do? Disagree with my officials? And uh, it's like, I don't think that argument really works. You, you're the boss. <laughs> well, she said, how am I supposed to be across every jot and tittle of all of the legislation going, that's a pretty important bit of jot and tittle right there. It's only 107 <laughs> words of jot and tittle, isn't it? It's only checking. Yeah. Did you take anything out of that? Uh, well, nothing you need to worry yourself about, Minister. You know, nothing, nothing important. 107 words of flimflam, really. Don't worry about yeah. it. No, you don't need to say that. It's fine. Apparently, the fact that you needed to know was not known at the time that the now known need to know was known. <laughs> so it took a long time, but eventually in... The late summer, early autumn of 2015, they, with a fanfare, announced that there were 10 weeks left before they got rid of the really lucrative end of the scheme. You know, they couldn't say, oh, this is, this is way too generous. There's an overspend here. We're going to have to take that away in 10 weeks. So get your applications in now. <laughs> and the app, like, so you've got to bear in mind, this was open from 2012. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it took three years to get about half of the overall successful applicants. And then the other half were in three months. Towards the end, when they knew it was going to shut, yeah. So when everyone knew it was going to shut, the floodgates opened, and 984 of the 1,946 successful applicants flooded in in the last three months after they announced, we're going to be stopping this soon. Amazing. It was... Absolutely amazing. And we spent the whole of 2016 with this gradually unfolding, just the magnitude of this wow. and the implications of it. And finally, just as it really began to unfold, we've estimated that on top of that generous money that the Treasury handed over to us in the Barnett formula, we're looking at just shy of half a billion over 20 years. <laughs> taken out of schools, hospitals, roads, railway, everything else. So, right, does that mean everyone hates green stuff now? Because when this sort of stuff happens in Westminster, and there has been similar things, I mean, nothing that bad, but, you know, there has been arguably uh, too much, too, too generous payments for some renewables. Everyone then goes, see... Bloody renewables, it's just a way for rich people to make cash. There's nothing about saving the planet. I hate green stuff. Is that what they're saying now? Not at all. This is, this is the really fascinating bit of all of this. So, you, you know, the, that narrative has not been getting through in the North. It's, everything has been focused primarily very heavily on, well, you know, is it incompetence or is it corruption? Which one is it? Because it can't be anything else but one of those two things. And who's incompetence? So uh, is there now no government then? So this this whole thing has got such a flaming stink that 
there's yeah. no government. Yeah, or what? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, very slowly and reluctantly, Sinn Fein moved towards bringing down the executive. Now, we had an election in May, one that returned a horribly predictable vote share between the main parties, and one where the DUP didn't lose any MLAs overall. They, they lost one and gained one, and they have 38 MLAs. They're the largest um, party in Stormont. And we looked like, it looked like we were going to be stuck with this until 2021, basically until the anniversary, the 100th anniversary of the setting up of Northern Ireland would be the next election. And Sinn Féin and the DUP seemed to have dealt with quite a lot of their overarching differences over issues of, especially over issues of having formerly really, really hated each other, <laughs> you know, that Northern Irish thing. Um and seemed to be pretty rock solid in in turning on and fighting against the, the the smaller parties who, for the first time, have left the um, multi-party coalition and gone into opposition. So it all seemed pretty settled. And Sinn Féin really, it strikes me that at first Sinn Féin wanted any other option than going into a full-scale breakdown of relationships. But it just began to spill out. The more that Arlene Foster ignored Sinn Féin's cautious attempts to get her to step aside. I mean, other parties, especially the other rival unionist party, the Ulster Unionist Party, were immediately going, resign, resign. <laughs> and Sinn Féin, their partners of government, were saying, stand aside without prejudice for four weeks, get a preliminary investigation to clear you of any wrongdoing and come back in, and then we're fine. But the more that Arling, more they said that, the more Arling Foster, who is a very, very anti-Republican unionist, very, very anti-Sinn Féin unionist, bizarrely sharing government with them, particularly more so than either Ian Paisley or Peter Robinson, her predecessors as first minister in that party were, the more that they said, please, please stand aside, we're asking you, the more she said, I won't be told what to do by Sinn Féin. And the whole thing's just, 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 it collapsed within... Now it's it's yeah just coming on to two weeks since Martin McGuinness the like first day back on the 9th of January put in his resignation because he's he's very sick he's he's been having treatment which he's admitted to that he's that he's ill so less than a year since we had an election that should have given us a stable executive up until 2021 we have another election in the post on the 2nd of March. Donald Dan. So that is all very interesting and we're going to have more of Niall uh, telling us more about the wider environmental issues in Northern Ireland which are complicated and uh, shit I think mainly uh, but in the meantime here is a section dedicated to the new as of a few hours ago as we record this President of the United States of America, <laughs> businessman, woman groper, oh. racist, big orange, misogynist, orange, two paid. Yes, <sighs> Donald Trump, Donald John yeah. Trump. Uh, and the thing he's done all is he's got made president. Have a listen to this. Together, we will make America strong again. 
We will make America wealthy again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And yes, together, we will make America great again. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you. God bless America. Yes. I, I, I generally have grown out of getting angry at the telly. It's not, it's not a thing I do that much anymore. I don't sit there and get cross and shouty. But I watched this and got exceptionally grumpy. Like, you know, teenager who hasn't had enough food or quiet time in his bedroom grumpy. It was, it was bad. What was your favourite bit, Oh, What was your favourite bit of the, of the whole thing? My favourite bit was when the, uh, the singer, I don't know who the singer was. Meatloaf? No, no, it was quite a young looking woman who sang the national anthem unbelievably badly. Oh, really? And I, Yeah, like properly badly. She didn't get any of the German right. Eh? So for the benefit of anyone listening, uh, and this will have been edited out, but Dave and I just had a very lengthy argument about whether or not that joke worked. Uh, <laughs> so make up your own mind. Anyway, the point is, this poor woman who I suspect was spectacularly nervous. Hmm. You, uh, did, did, you, you reckon? You think? Yeah, but that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. Like They had Beyonce or someone last year. He's used to singing to like the entire universe hmm. day in, day out. Uh, and so nailed it. But this person just, oh man, it was bad. Have a listen. Yeah, that is pretty bad. Although, to be fair, I'd like to see you stand on a stage in front of a billion people and, and try and sing in tune while you're worried about getting accidentally shot in the head by a sniper. Um, <laughs> the, bit that, uh, the bit that I liked is when he said he was protected by God. Did you hear that? Hey. He's protected by God. No, you weren't, mate. You were protected by 10 feet of perspex. We could see it when the camera switched around the other way. Sustainable of the week. So, Sustainable of the Week, this is the section that we have every week where we have a little look at some of the nonsense, the egregious eco-guff spoken by important people trying to sound greener than they are. Who's done it this week and what have they said? Oh, Donald bloody Trump, isn't he? Right, oh, so... Well, we agree not to talk about him anymore. Well, we're going to have to because the, the tit is doing things, right? And this is... <laughs> we're recording this on Friday night. We're recording this a matter of hours after the big orange bellicose bellend has taken office. <laughs> and literally, you know, in between him signing the, taking the pledge, whatever it is he did, you know, I do, I promise not to touch anyone's private parts for at least five minutes, and, and, and us recording this, which is literally four hours, the White House's website has already been updated. And it's first thing, it's first, the first thing on the White House's website now is this, an America First Energy Plan. So energy, uh, that's renewables and stuff. He'll be, he'll be saying how because climate change is really bad, and um, we need lots of green green jobs. Uh, we're going to have lots of renewables. Yeah, that's his first energy plan. Mm. Mm. Well, he uh, uh, well he does talk about climate change. Um, he does mention it Good. at least. Um, he says that it is harmful and unnecessary. This climate change action plan, and he's committed to eliminating it. So that's what he says. So, so it's the action plan that's harmful 
an unnecessary, not not climate change. That's well, what you're saying. Well, I don't know. He doesn't go into detail. He just says that right. stopping climate change is harmful and unnecessary. That's what he says. Um, and what he wants instead is to embrace the shale oil and gas revolution to bring jobs yeah. and prosperity, to take advantage of the $50 trillion worth of untapped shale oil and natural gas, especially those on federal lands that the American people own, and which, if you go back and listen to episode 67, may actually have some people living on it who don't like that very much. Um, and... Coal. He wants to revive America's coal industry, which has apparently been hurting for far too long. Now, look, we've talked about this at length. Go back and listen to episode 64 for a start, which is when we banged on about Trump for ages. The thing I wanted to flag was two things, right? First, this, you know, this this was basically, this is the first thing he put up, Oh, This is like red, this is the yeah. thing yeah. he wanted to put on the White House's website before he has presumably actually even like sorted out his business cards and put his paper clips away. Um, and had sex with anyone underneath the Oval Office table. Before he's done any of that, he's gone and put this website up saying, no, I really meant it, this stuff. I really, really, really meant it, right? And the other thing was the babble. What's the babble, all? Well, um, you know, I thought he was going to put this statement on his website that was upsetting and offensive and misguided, but ultimately not that funny. However... He's an idiot, so it is quite funny. And I think the babble is going to be very well provided for by uh, Mr. Trump over the next few years. So I personally welcome his presidency. I want that on record. I think this is brilliant. Anyway, oh, God, I don't don't mean that. I don't mean that. (laughs) No, it's probably just as well to get your loyalty oath in now, mate, I think. (laughs) I'll vouch for you when they come. Thank you very much. Right. Well, anyway, he said a funny thing after saying he wanted to uh, have all the oil and all the gas and um, all the coal. Uh, So where is Arabella? Uh, Let's get my little seven-year-old niece to come and tell us what he said. Lastly, our need for energy must go hand in hand with responsible stewardship of the environment. Oh, really? Oh, is that is that right, is it, Mr Trump? So burning lots of oil and coal and gas... $50 $50 trillion worth of it uh, and reviving America's coal industry must go hand in hand with responsible stewardship of the environment. Yes? Mm, mm, mm. Hand in hand. Mm. Coaly, oily, gassy hand in little ugly fish being punched in the face hand. Things that make you go... Meanwhile, we've now got the news that 2016 was the hottest year ever across uh, the land temperature in, you know, the whole globe. Uh, And not only the hottest ever, but getting quite close to the limit that we've got set ourselves in Paris, uh, 1.5 degrees. So we're now over a degree warmer than um, the pre-industrial sort of baseline. So that's bad, isn't it? Really? Bad. What does that mean then? What does it mean? What do you mean? What does it mean? Why is it bad? Well, because, in a sentence. You know. Oh, I'll explain in a sentence. 30 seconds. Go. It's bad. I can't believe you're making me do this. Why don't I get to set your 30 second timer? How long's that? That's about six seconds, isn't it? Right. Climate change is bad, you idiot. Everyone listening to this knows it's bad. Everything warming up means melty ice caps, means rising sea levels, means species not being able to live, means food crops failing, and we've had loads of loads of warming. 
And, 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 as part of all the badness around the global temperatures, so the whole, all of the, the global temperatures taken as a whole uh, average at one degree, but the Arctic was on average, on average for 2016, six degrees warmer than the norm. Oh my. Six oh my. degrees. So that's the difference between, you know, a T-shirt and paddling pool and, you know, being a bit chilly and putting a fleece on. Like you feel six degrees. Oh, you do. And we, uh, in episode 66, we talked to Mark Brandon, Icy Mark, uh, all about the Arctic. Well, I love that episode. Go back and listen to it again. If you yeah, want to be really, one. really one. massively freaked out about the state of the No, planet. surprised. That's the point. Oh. Apparently, you're not allowed to be scared. Science- you're allowed to be surprised. <laughs> if you're a scientist, you are surprised uh, at exactly how bad things are and uh yeah what was the ice thing you found another ice thing didn't you oh yeah yeah so this is another things that make you go jesus shitting oh god uh because right now uh, there is less sea ice on the planet than there has ever been recorded um and that is because you've got the the combination of arctic sea ice and antarctic sea ice and as icy mark explained they're doing different things at different types of the times of the year but right now there is less than there's ever been but what's doubly bad and this is hard to explain this is genuinely difficult to explain you would expect the moment at which least ice was on the planet to be in about 1 month but we've already beaten the record for when there was least ice on the planet and there will continue to be less for the next month does that make sense (sighs) yeah uh, yeah i suppose it does uh we february is february february is the point when you would expect there to be least ice on the planet right yeah and there is already there's a little there's a a dip yeah yeah? and february is the lowest point of that dip and then it gets up going up yeah but it's not february it's january but there is already less ice than there has ever ever been even in february yes in january yes yes so we're yes so we're totally (laughs) yes good So quite enough of all of that uh, being scared and freaked out about the end of the world. Let's go and talk to lovely, lovely Niall again, who uh, kindly brought us up to speed on what life is like on lots of environmental issues in that lovely Northern Ireland. So, Niall, right, uh, Northern Ireland, uh, I went on Google Maps to check out where it is. It's up there to the left. Oh, well done, Dave. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, zoomed in on it. It's all it's quite green. Very nice. I zoomed right in on some bits. It looks quite sort of foresty. Um, and then I went and looked at some pictures, and you've got all that Giant's Causeway and stuff like that, and everyone's going, oh, no bugger lives here, and it's all green and pleasant and everything, right? Uh, so what is it like, environment-wise, in Northern Ireland then? Um, we have seriously trashed, <laughs> seriously trashed this place. Oh. Um, oh. And, and oh. we are continuing to do so in remarkable ways. <laughs> We have the biggest illegal landfill in the UK. 1.5 million tonnes right by the drinking water of our second biggest city. We have the biggest illegal quarry in the UK, which is uh, Loch Ness and dredging. Uh, that's the big, that's the big, 
thing in the middle, isn't it? The big lock. The, the big middle. thing in the middle. They yeah. have been dredging sand. That's been going on without planning permission for for forty. Well, really, for most of the last century, but certainly since we had a planning system for a good forty years, more than forty years, <laughs> so older than me, uh, and getting away with it. Um, we have more households living away from the sewage system, having their own septic tanks, like basically open countryside dwelling. We've we've a hundred thousand. Last I heard, we had a hundred thousand septic tanks, which is more than England, Scotland, Wales put together, not per capita, but in total. God, what a load we've, of shit. Yep, it it literally is because a leaky septic tank is great for eutrophying your waterways. Um, we have far, far, far too many farmyard animals, all pissing and shitting onto the ground. Um, <laughs> We they, we they have, will do that. They will, they will not do be that. told. They won't. They won't sit on the side of the toilet. They will just. They go wherever they want. This is disgrace. Give them a nice cat litter, and they say no. It's too small. Just- They're just so ungrateful. They just haven't. Yeah, we do not have a modern, fit for purpose environmental governance regulatory system at all. Uh, we have an incredibly permissive planning system, especially when it comes to building in the open countryside. Um, and also we, we seem to have absolutely no concern at all about having one of the premium world heritage sites in the Giants Causeway, which twice has been under serious threat of losing its world heritage status due to threat and developments right by it. Um, no way. What? So this is yeah. a thing. This isn't, this isn't then a story primarily about a crappy regulator. It's a story about politics not really caring about the environment yeah i mean is that it's a story it's primarily a story about the dup having got into power in 2007 with so many mlas that they have even though they are as one block of mlas a minority of government they have an absolute veto over any legislation and a disinclination to reform anything at all and the environment is not the only victim but it is it has been a consistent victim lgbt rights are being blocked because i mean the dup is basically the love child of milton friedman and oliver cromwell yeah crikey yeah they they basically the tea party i think founded themselves based upon the dup They, they, they have absolute control if you want to change anything you have to get them to agree to that change. And they don't want to reform anything. They inherited an under-reformed Northern Ireland that had been neglected under direct rule since the 1960s. And they just want to keep it that way. You know, they want to just keep us basically in the 1950s um, as much as possible. They think that they're holding some flame for a real Britishness that all you, all you trendy metropolitan English have fallen away from. And part of that is any sort of comprehensive protection of the environment. And so they refuse to allow supplementary climate legislation to back up the 2008 Climate Change Act, which has no real authority here. But what about ordinary folk? Don't people kick off about this? Don't you? I mean, what's the kind of protest landscape? And I, there were some big old fracking protests that were successful, weren't there? There, it was, there has been a real awakening and, and it is remarkable um, that 
in DUP Heartland, uh, a, a, a oil and gas prospecting company called Infrastrata attempted, succeeded in getting, oh, I, I, to go into how they managed to do this is just to go into way too much detail, but they had a very favorable regulatory landscape in which to go in and get all the permissions they needed and go ahead with some things they hadn't permission for and drill right in the water catchment area for a reservoir that feeds half of the greater Belfast area. And I'm talking <laughs> of they did. Of chemically they... lubricated drilling. Oh, 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 hang on a minute. This is episode 69. <laughs> The things they did with no planning permission for the access roads, the setting up of barbed wire fences all around, just, and it got really dark really quickly. Um, but the protest was amazing. And the protest was where you have this enormously demographically diverse, like every kind, you know, Republican loyalist, rich and poor, young and old just huge the whole world was watching at points and uh what would have previously been a community that we would not have had good contact with suddenly we were at the front and center of their grassroots protecting of this landscape and and they really really embraced everyone who came there you know quite quite a lot of like working class loyalists just welcoming along these uh like dreadlocked hippies playing Irish traditional music in the heart of like, you know, Union Jacks flying and suddenly yeah. you're going, wow, something is, something has really, really changed. The mutual respect and understanding and curiosity about each other's cultures mm. going on at the heart of, a, of the environmental front line. It was, it was such a moment last year and it was in a very, very dark year and, and, it, and at times very dark, there was something so inspiring about it and it, and it has, resonated across the whole country they were expecting to go in get no problem at all drill this have a favorable sort of fluff piece in the bbc and what they got was top story footage of us slow walking in front of the drill as it was coming up the road just real heat heat they couldn't take heat they were not expecting and they 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 pulled the drill out of the ground i think thousands of feet before they meant to and eventually announced that they were getting out of uh, drilling for oil and gas entirely. Oh. But other big, the other big success, the other big success I want to talk about would go back to 2013. Um, and this, because I think we're doing a lot of DUP bashing here, let's bring Sinn Féin in. Um, there was a big push to get a kind of a motorway by proxy running from Dublin to Letterkenny back in the last decade. And part of it was going to have to run through Northern Ireland. So this was where basically through a series of bypasses, one of which trashed a large part of the, um, the Boyne Valley, which is the Irish Valley of the Kings, like, like an outstanding archaeological site. Part of it was going to go through Northern Ireland. And uh, we were looking at about a billion pounds spent on a dual carriageway, which was just going to run from bottleneck to bottleneck. It was going to totally trash Again, ancient sites, people's businesses, and uh, a group of farmers got together and took out a judicial review 
and uh, against everyone's expectations, blocked this road. Um, so, you know, that when people are up against it, hmm. you do see remarkable community organizing. So it's there. Yeah, it's very inspiring to see this, to see this backlash. So, Niall, thanks very much. How can people get in touch with you guys, find out what you're doing, keep up with you? Okay, so uh, obviously we've got a website, www.foe.co.uk forward slash ni. You can follow us on Twitter, foe underscore ni. And then, yeah, search us on Facebook, Friends Earth Northern Ireland. And you'll also find our YouTube channel and you'll see some great stuff there. Really, really nice, concise sort of summing up of some of the work we do. Mega. Thank you very, very much, Niall. Thanks for giving up your the Friday night to talk to us and, um, yeah, shedding a huge amount of light on, um, on the situation in Northern Ireland. And good luck with everything you're doing. Thank you very much. You got me out of having to do the bedtime routine, so happy days. Cheers, Niall. Bye. Bye. So that is just about it for another episode of Sustainable. That was 69. How was it for you? Ah, head to toe beautiful. That's what it was. <laughs> you know, I must say I'm actually quite impressed. I've been dreading how you were going to do episode 69, given that in the run up, <laughs> even in episode 67, you were getting excited about episode 69. Coming I, up. Know, um, I know. And then when it actually happened, you were, I, I, I know your brain just let you down at the critical moment, didn't it? The amount yeah. of times. Yeah. Anyway. Um, All talk, no trouser. That's, that's it. Um, thank you, as always, to Arabella for so ably reading out the babble thank you to Niall oh thanks Niall for bringing us thanks, up to speed Niall. with all of the mayhem over there uh, and thanks to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this here podcast if you want to get in touch with us and please do we love it when you get in touch with us uh, you can drop us an email at hello at sustainababble.fish you can tweet us at the bagel wagon <laughs> you can tweet us What's at a bagel the babble wagon? Shut up. You can tweet. Shut up. I'm, I'm going, I'm registering it. <laughs> the Baggle Wabum. Uh, <laughs> uh, or you can just search for us on Facebook. And please, please, please go on iTunes or whatever uh, and leave us a lovely five star review saying we're the best podcast in the world. The best, the greatest, the greatest podcast. The best podcast. The big, the bigliest podcast. We're a very, we're a very. Good.